Pretty good, sir. It's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal. Hi there, I'm Paul Hutchin, political editor of The Daily Record, and welcome to the latest Planet Holyrood. Joining me this week are John Ferguson, political editor of The Sunday Mail, and also David Walker of The Scottish Daily Express. Now, finally, the SNP leadership contest is over and we're now in the Hamza Yusuf era of devolution. His first task was trying to put together a cabinet and that was quite difficult for him. Kate Forbes, his defeated rival, uh, went back to the back benches. And I think that uh, by my calculations, there's only one supporter of Kate Forbes who's been made a minister. So there's a lot to chew over. John, starting with you, what's your assessment of the cabinet? that he's put together? Hey, I mean, there's a lot of new faces in in there, for certainly for the public, there'll be new faces. Um, the controversial thing was leaving Kate Forbes out. But I mean, I think really when you think about this, how, how could he have retained someone who had essentially called him an incompetent failure during the leadership? race in a in second highest profile job in in the in the government. Um, so I, I think to some extent he kind of had no chance, no choice but to get rid of Kate from the from the top team. Um, I think for Kate there's also probably issues around she would have been seeing issues with the uh, his attempts to push through the gender recognition form bill um, coming back and Hobbs had actually made it quite clear during the leadership race that he would that he would expect support from that um, from his from his top team so I, I think it would have been difficult for her anyway there was also issues with fishing rights that would have made mm. that jobs rural affairs difficult for her um, so I, I think that she's probably um, just you know I, I think that she probably didn't really want to be in the government and he couldn't really have had her in the, continuing in the same role either. So I think overall he was, I mean, he's he was going to face criticism either way, trying to balance things in a way that would please everybody or impossible. So what he's done is retained a bit of uh, experience and brought in some new faces to the, to the cabinet. People like Mary McCallan will be, that are very hotly tipped and regarded and um, we'll be hoping that people like that can make a real difference. Do you think it's lacking experience, you know, given that Sturgeon, Swinney and now Kate Forbes are on the back benches, John, do you think that um, they're yeah. going to struggle in that area? Yeah, but I mean, you kind of want, who would have been the, the experienced people they could have had that um, that that would have actually wanted the, the jobs? I guess that's one of the problems that he's had um, Keith Brown could have been retained, and it was quite it was an interesting move to get rid of Keith. I'm not quite sure what was behind that. It seems Hums, I just didn't rate him. Um, but apart from Keith, it's quite difficult to see who he, he could actually have, have have retained or brought in that would have given him more experience. He's obviously he's got Angus Robertson, who's very experienced. Um, as deputies, very experienced, so there is a bit of experience there. But yeah, it's it's, it's a difficult balance. David, he seems to have stuffed his cabinet and the junior ministerial ranks full of allies and loyalists. 
Now on the back benches, you've got all of his critics. You know, you've got the Ewings, you've got Kate Forbes, Ben McPherson wrote a piece during the campaign that was kind of critical of the uh, the rush towards independence. It, has he made a sort of rod for his own back by you know, creating a, a sort of group of um, of foes and enemies? Yeah, I think I think that my my choice of word for his cabinet choice is probably uninspiring. I think I think he, he, he's made the choice to only put his allies in there. It's going to be a, a tough, tough job for them to actually show that they're not all failures like him. I mean, Mario McCall and Neil Gray are prob- probably the good hands that seem to be competent ministers. But the rest of the cabinet is pretty pure, in my opinion. Shelley Ann Somerville failed in education. Teacher strikes. Um, Jenny Gilruth decided over ScotRail, basically grounding Scotland to a halt. Um, Shona Robson has no business experience at all. And... Obviously, it's a sign of a lack of confidence in her already. He split the split the brief into half. So I think he's made horrendous gaffes. I think he's going to have a growing voices in the back bench. Kate Forbes could be a growing voice in the in the back bench. Ivan McKee's already criticised his own government, saying there's no business experience in it. And when the party are actively briefing against you, almost as soon as you get the job, then you know you've got a fire to be out. And he's he just poured more petrol on it by basically offering Kate Forbes a, a demotion and also offering Ivan McKee a demotion. It's quite hard. It's going to be quite hard for him to shake off his incompetence label. When someone's labelled incompetent, it's very, very difficult to get to be not labelled anymore. And he's a, had a horrendous start, in, in my opinion. Um, just to pick up on a point, join me. The sort of brutal sacking of uh, Keith Brown from Justice, David. I mean, what do you think his beef with Keith is? <laughs> I, 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 I was a big, was a big shock to me because obviously Keith Brown stayed quiet throughout the whole campaign. He didn't come out in spot in support of anyone, so. And Keith Bryan is a, is a capable minister. He's done what he's done, transport, he's done justice. He's just been someone who has been all right. I, I don't. I generally don't know what what the beef is with, with Keith Brown. Uh, maybe he was secretly advocating for Kate Falls behind the scenes. Um, who knows? My sort of reading of it is that he didn't really owe Keith anything. Um, maybe the other appointments were payback. Um, people who backed him, but Keith remained neutral because of his role as SNP deputy leader, and perhaps has paid that price. Who knows? Um, John, it was the um, the first FMQs today. Um, it was again sort of marred by um, frequent disruptions, which always seemed to happen when Douglas Ross was on his feet, and you could see he was getting increasingly exasperated. Um, how do you think the new first minister did? I, I think he, to be honest, he did as well as could be expected of him. I think David's absolutely right when he says that. Um, he's been labelled incompetent, and that label is incredibly difficult to shake off. He's, um, you know, he's got. Like you could make a comparison with when Gordon Brown came in after Tony Blair. He's coming in behind a, a, a leader that was extremely popular, that had come in fresh, done a lot of stuff, and he's now, you know, at the wrong end of an electoral cycle, coming in as a new leader and trying to establish himself, and it's it's just difficult. Um, is, is everybody wants to label him as the you know to get this hums a useless thing to to become a, a, a stick to happen with and he's he's it's it's going to be tough for him but I think if you actually look at the performance it was pretty good there were some things that suggested he is intent on being his own man he was speaking very strongly on you know taxing higher earners more to pay for public sector, public services. It was interesting that when you know he was talking about people like MSPs and uh, and government ministers. Now I think that's quite significant because 
there'll be a lot of everybody agrees with taxing the rich, but people always think the rich are people that earn more than them. And yeah. by talking about sort of MSP salary ranges, it sounds you know like he's he's looking at going after people like doctors and lawyers and people that might not consider themselves to be the rich. He, he does recognise that if you want to actually raise extra revenue, then you need to tax those kind of people more. So I thought that was interesting. I thought he did quite well and um, and that he really hammered home the message on energy prices, that Scotland actually produces more than enough renewable energy to serve Scotland and that it's a, you know, I think it's a very good line of attack that Nicola Sturgeon possibly didn't use enough, the idea that, um, that, that Scotland's been shortchanged in that area and that with independence you could do something about that um and it's uh, so yeah i think he did i think he did pretty well um it was it was odd having this stop start thing because of the noise from the public gallery but i think overall he'll be quite happy with his performance and is the difficulty he's going to have is just shaking off this um, incompetence label that everybody is desperate to pin on him, and also the, I like the, one of the things Douglas Ross's big line of attacks was to say, look, this isn't just me that's telling you this. This is people in your own party, and I, I think that's going to be a, a problem for him. And so, actually, uniting his own party is going to be one of the big challenges. David, I mean, what's your view on these protests that are disrupting FMQs pretty much every week and? How raging was Douglas Ross today? Yeah, I mean, it was, it's, it's getting to this point of ridiculousness. I think the best part of um, the whole day was when Douglas Ross actually said, oh, they're going to drop me again, and then they actually didn't interrupt him. But I think it's going to take a lot of clamping down for them to actually get rid of these protesters from doing this. And that, I mean, it's just it's just stupid that they're just making a rod for them back, I suppose. Um, in terms of Hamza performance, I'm going to take an opposite tack to um, Johnny. I thought it was absolutely disastrous. Um, I don't know how much preparation he did beforehand, but it seemed like he was just overprepared. He just like he kept reading a script. He got very, very angry at some points. He was ranting about the Tories and the UK government. Things we've all heard before. I, 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 he said he's not going to be the same as Nicholas Sturgeon. But performance was basically Nicholas Sturgeon. If you ramp up the anger by 10%, I mean, all the personal jibes about Douglas Ross, the Tories have had all before, he, he rambled, he couldn't offer much defence to any of his, some of his ridiculous things, like the independence minister, he couldn't offer a proper defence, all he said was, oh, we need independence now, blah, blah, blah. It was just, I thought, it was, it was a shocking performance, and I think, on watching that, the opposition parties will be licking their lips about who, how, how much of an easy ride they're going to get compared to Nicholas Sturgeon, who was usually good at dealing with jibes in the, the opposition parties. Would you make John? Do you agree? Was it a shocking performance by the new first minister? No, nah, I don't. I don't think so. I think that he, you know, he, he handled the questions that were put to him pretty well. I, I would agree that it was um, there was real similarities between Nicola Sturgeon and Hamza in the way that he handles questions. And you can see that he's sort of learned from her how to how to deal with FMQs. But I, I think he, overall he did he did pretty well. Let's um, talk about Margaret Ferrier, um, the MP who was elected on an SNP uh, ticket, then broke COVID rules, put people's lives in danger, and is now fighting for her job. Um, there may well be a recall uh, petition which 
results in a by-election in her uh, Rutherglen constituency. Um, John, what, what are your thoughts on this and how, how pivotal a moment could a by-election be in this seat for the SNP and Labour? I, th I think it, Labour would, I mean, it's obviously a seat that Labour will feel they can win. And if there is a by-election, then they're going to really be going for it. And it would be a hugely symbolic loss for the SNP if they were to, to lose that that seat. Um, it's interesting today that the, the, um, the Common Standard Committee three uh, SNP MPs have actually joined Conservative MPs to try to reduce Margaret Ferry's, Ferrier's sentence or suspension from 30 days down to nine, which would potentially help them avoid a by-election. So it's quite an interesting and might say cynical game being played there. The Conservatives obviously want to set a precedent that might help Boris Johnson um, avoid a suspension and so they're trying to get this sentence reduced and it looks like despite the fact Humza has said that he thinks that um, Margaret Ferrier should be suspended for 30 days um, looks like some of his colleagues down there are, are arguing something else but um, yeah it's, it's, it, goes to, it goes to the final vote as well before the, the recall petition is triggered John I mean, do you think is there any suggestion that the 30 days might be overturned? There might be a sort of shady backroom deal? Well, it kind of look, it looks like there's certainly moves afoot to try to try to secure that. I mean, it, I, I don't know how the new SNP leader is going to react to when he sees this. I don't know whether he'll ask his MPs to knock that in the head just because it will be such a bad look if they were seen to be trying to, to um, play politics with that. But we'll need to see how it pans out. Um, David, Hamza Yusuf was asked about the Ferrier case and he said that um, he wanted her to stand down, which of course would force a by-election. Um, how fearful do you think the SNP would be of a, a snap poll in that seat? I think the majority is just over 5,000. I've got it in my notebook, 5,230. I'm sorry, could, could you repeat the question? I kind of broke up a bit. Yeah, sorry. Um, how fearful do you think the SNP would be of a by-election in that seat uh, where they've only got a majority of about 5,230? I think I think they'll be they'll be they'll be scared. This is the this is the biggest challenge Hums is gonna have in his in his young career as a as a first minister. I mean Labour have been targeting that seat. They sent Keir Starmer to that region, I think, two weeks ago for an event. So they they, they can see that as one of the seats that they can really make a make a footboard in in Scotland. I think Hamza was he was slightly confident today he said that they, they have to work hard to win that seat he didn't outright say it's going to be a doddle or win, win that seat either which is obviously a right tack to date because Labour are going to be a massive challenge to them these days and I think Margaret Farrier because she was an SNP MP I think that may kind of tar their reputation there she's been a lame duck MP for the last two years she's not done much of the constituents never like so less can be more of the same or will they actually be will someone come in and change that it's, it's going to be a tough, tough, tough seat by win. And if they lose, that could be the start of Hamza's downfall, I think, as SP leader here in Scotland. John, I mean, a majority of just over 5,000, it wouldn't be a shoe in for Labour, but you would think that they'd be the favourites in a, a seat given the circumstances and given the momentum they've got and the struggles that the SNP are currently facing. 
Yeah, well, if, if a by-election was to happen and Labour was to win that seat, then it would be an enormous boost for Labour and it would represent an enormous defeat for the SNP because if you look at the kind of swing that would be required, I think that it would probably suggest that you would see quite a few seats falling at the, going to Labour at the next general election. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's doable. Anna Sarwar will feel that it's doable and it would be pretty devastating for Hamza Yusuf. Um, I think it would be difficult to blame Hamza for, for if, if that was to happen. You know, he's only a couple of days in the job, but he would, he would clearly be wanting to plough everything into avoid, avoiding losing that seat. And the SNP have won some iconic by-elections in previous decades, you know, Winnie Ewing, Margaret MacDonald, I think, uh, Jim Sillers and Govan. John, do you think that if Labour were to pick this up, they would see it in that light, given um, how much they've struggled against the nationalists in recent years? Yeah, I think they definitely would. I mean, the one that Jim Sillers by-election in Govan in 88, was it? Um, it was seen as this historical moment where the the this rising party, the SNP, managed to dethrone Labour in a seat that people thought would always be theirs. You know, there was this feeling that something was happening, the to talk, the, the that politics in Scotland was changing. And I think Labour are hoping against hope that that's what's happening now, that after the almost two decades of infatuation with the SNP, Scotland's now swimming, going to swing back to to the behind them, and so yeah, I think I think that's a really good comparison. David, um, of course, we could be spared the recall petition, and we could go straight to the by-election if Margaret Ferrier resigned. Do you think at this late stage she might develop a conscience? Nope, I think she's too dedicated to the money you get as an M Westminster MP. There's absolutely no chance she'd actually give up that cash. I mean, she's she's managed to what play through the last two years as well, be a disgraced former a, a disgraced former SNP MP. Why can't she not last another what two years as a, as an MP? I, I don't think she's ever going to resign. I think if she was going to resign, she would resign straight after the court case. I think did she's I think she's damaging. SNP and Robert there by just sticking around like a bad smell, but I don't think she'll ever actually resign. John, just more broadly, I mean, we're a couple of years out yet from the, the, the next general election, but um, do you think that, um, you know, the last few general elections have been excellent for the SNP, they've been poor for Labour, Tories been up and down. Do you think this is going to be a, a tough one for Hamza Youssef and, and perhaps a better one for Anas Sarwar? Yeah, I think it is. Um... Scotland's quite strange, isn't it? And that it seems everybody seems to decide that they're going to vote for one party and then do it for about twenty years, and then suddenly everything changes very quickly. And I think there's a real feeling that we're on the cusp of one of those changes happening now. Um, and in a way, it's, it feels very similar to when the sort of new Labour project went out of favour and. In Scotland, it feels. I think there's this feeling that the SNP have become uh, complacent. They're taking voters for granted. They're not focusing anymore on the things that people are really concerned about. Um, they're more, in, they're more 
interested in sort of what we call identity politics rather than living standards and taking children out of poverty and that the labor on the other hand of kind of gone back to their roots they've had you know they've the people that now want to stand to become mps or people that got into the party at a time when there wasn't a realistic prospect of winning anything just the same as at one point the people getting into the smp wouldn't have felt like there was a realistic prospect of them making a career out of it and so I, yeah i think they're i think that all the signs are that there's a direction of travel with the smp and that is going to be very difficult to change that uh, that direction of travels downwards and that labor are on the ascendancy i do think though that labor just to, needs to, just to uh, pick up on that joy i mean how much if you look at Labour's momentum, how much do you think is based on SNP and Tory weakness, and how much is based on actual Labour strength? I think I think it's got everything to do with SNP weakness, and um, I, I, also a bit to do with the this just the feeling that a vote for Labour would have been wasted in the past because they they were going to get defeated anyway overall in in England and Wales, whereas now there's this feeling that. It, it, the likelihood is that Labour will get into government in Westminster, so this would, it won't be a wasted vote. So I think there is a like there's there's reasons for people to vote Labour, but overwhelmingly there it feels like there's reasons for them not to vote for the SNP. Um, and that in saying that, Labour probably need to do a lot of work in making their case and actually putting forward a policy platform that people can get behind that actually is looks different to what they're getting off of other parties. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for that. Um, David, let's turn to Tweet of the Week. If we can get yours up and maybe you can speak to it, that would be great. Um, so my Tweet of the Week is um, basically about the Independence Minister. Obviously, um, Hamza Yusuf announced last night that he was going to install a Minister of Independence, which is Jamie Hepburn. But as um, John Ferry says there, what is what is he actually going to do in government? Because independence isn't actually a Scottish government policy. Well, it is the ICB policy, but it's not actually a Scottish government policy. It's, it's basically a joke title. Like, Pums is playing to the most hardcore nationalists and, and the support for like, something stupid as this. It was, I think he made, it, he made a promise to a national that he would do this. So the fact he's actually went, went ahead and done it is completely ridiculous. Like, what is he going to do? He's, he's going to work on these independence perspectives the first three were absolutely derided by economists. It didn't. It didn't turn the dial on the independence for for, for a moment to up, probably took it down actually. So what's he actually going to do? Is he going to be the, the, the skeptic gopher? He's going to be sent out to all these wacky independence marches with under one banner to maybe sing anti-English songs with them. It's just a, a completely ridiculous title, and I thought that tweet um, summed up quite well. How about you, John? Uh, ridiculous uh, title. Ridiculous. Um, appointment, or is it something that uh, is necessary given the Scottish government backs independence? Yeah, I mean, it feels it does feel like um, like Hamza Yusuf should be the minister for independence, and if he's really, really serious about it, I'm not sure that Hepburn would be my choice to actually push that policy forward. Um, yeah, it does it does kind of feel like a, a token gesture or something to make the, the really ardent independence fans feel like he's going to do something different. It's difficult to see what he's going to achieve in that in that role. 
Okay. Um, how about you, John? What's your tweet of the week? Um, so I chose this one by someone else, the 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 um the musician um Iona Fife said something similar, but actually this guy who I've no idea who he is, Finley, um came up with this one ten minutes before him, but it was he's simply said Ash Region after everyone saw that um that picture of or the video of Ash Reagan reacting to Hamza winning the, the leadership. She clearly wasn't happy about it. And we know now she had good reason not to be happy about it. She's not been offered a junior ministerial job and it's effectively been exiled to the back benches. So um, it's, I think it was, just shows that sometimes members of the public can come up with really good headlines. No, that's a good one, absolutely. Um, David, how about good week, bad week? Who's in the who's on the naughty step and who's uh, getting the thumbs up from you? So a good week for me this week is Douglas Ross. Two of us I could have picked Anna Sala in this one and Alex Kohamin. I mean, the opposition parties must be absolutely buzzing that Hamza Yusuf won the leadership election ahead of Kate Forbes. I could tell the Scottish Conservatives were kind of shaking their boots a bit if Kate Forbes would have won because she's basically a Tory who wants independence. But... But uh, Hamza Yusuf, I mean, you saw the attacks today. He's incompetent. He's failed in every single brief he's had. The, the Tories and the Tories and Labour, if they can manage to, like I don't know, hatch, like hitch their rides on just basically saying that this man cannot govern Scotland because he's absolutely useless, then they'll be able to take lumps out of them in the next election and potentially, obviously, unseat the SNP. Mm, heard that one before, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, John, good week, bad week? Um, so I think it was a good week for Hamza Yusuf. He's become first minister of the country. He's clearly very ambitious and he's been delighted to get the job. It was, I think everybody could see it had become a bit of a winner-takes-all battle if he hadn't got that, just managed to get that 52% in the leadership race, then I suspect he would be in the same the, the position that Kate Forbes is in now. She would have offered him some vastly demoted role in our government that he wouldn't have been able to accept and he would be on the back benches. So I think it's been a, a good week for him. Um, I think it's been an interesting word is that it's a bad week for Glasgow because there's been talk of a lack of experience in the new cabinet and government and all the rest of it. But actually one of the things that is missing is um, any cabinet ministers from Glasgow, the biggest city in Scotland, and there's also very little representation from Glasgow MSPs in the wider government. I think only one. Only one, yeah. Minister, I've got that right. So that's, I think that's, I suspect it's been an oversight. Um, but I mean, Hans Wiesel is a Glasgow Pollock MSP, obviously, he lives in Dundee, so, I mean, yeah, make of that yeah. I guess, but we did like Nicola Sturgeon by comparison was the um like from the from Glasgow and there was quite strong representation in that that government. So it's potentially might mean that you'll see less less strong policy ideas that focus on ending poverty in Glasgow, which has got to be one of the biggest priorities the government has. And bad week. And um, Bobby, me is I've, I went for Keith Brown. Sorry. I went for um, 
Keith yeah, <laughs> it's not been a great week for Keith, has it? I mean, <laughs> enough said, really. Um, I mean, the and the fact he actually can't get a place in a cabinet, which he would, he would have a good job in, I think, but the fact he can't get in and we had no explanation why is kind of a bit bad. I mean, I think he's going to appear at a, a, a Scottish police conference in the day he actually got sacked, so that would have been a, a kind of a double whammy for him, but yeah, that's my, that's my bad week. I have to um, mention your scoop, John, from a few weeks ago on the membership uh, numbers and just how that set the agenda and led to various resignations. Um, I was just wondering, has Party HQ apologised to you yet for the false and accurate figure that they gave you? Um, yes, I mean, they have, yeah, so at least one of the outgoing figures did apologise and um, so yeah, they, they've, they did reach out and um, and say that they were sorry that that had happened and I think that the, that member of staff was one that perhaps wasn't given the correct information themselves. I'm so, presuming that you're not referring to Peter Murrow as the person who apologised to you. No, Peter Murrow's not reached out to say, to say sorry. <laughs> yes, you might be waiting some time for that apology. Yeah. Uh, okay, listen, that's great. That's it for another week. Thanks to David and to John for their analysis. Um, please join us again this time next week um, for Planet Hollywood. Cheers. It's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal. 